You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. For the past year as your pastor, I have had a tension in my body, and it is all over one little word, power. My relationship with power has been tenuous in my lifetime. As a queer kid with struggles with mental health in a conservative rural Midwest setting, how could I possibly feel like I am worthy enough to have power? For some reason, I had come to believe that power was bad. People that exercised power were bad. I was stuck in cyclical thinking. If I ever get power, I have to deny it, because if I claim it, I will be an evil, bad person. It seems so irrational now when I think on it, but it's felt so real for me. As I have been on this journey of becoming my entire life, But now, more specifically, this chapter of the past year, I have had the opportunity to examine my relationship with power as a part of my healing. And most importantly, my faith has for the first time been a part of the conversation. A month ago, I began my training as a spiritual director, and it was the exact thing I needed that I didn't know I needed. I had the opportunity to meet with a spiritual director myself, and I was so scared. I was scared because I did not want to be rejected. I did not want to be misnamed, misgendered, misunderstood, judged. Religious trauma, being queer, and not being understood, those things all put up a defense shield that were trying to keep me safe. And yet there was this deep aching in my soul that desperately wanted to intimately commune with God again. So I did it. And a month later, I am still unpacking all that we talked with God about in 45 short minutes. Here is one thing she said. Could it be that you grew in size, internalizing everything, because the world couldn't handle your power. Damn. And lots of weeping. There was something significant about hearing this from a spiritual director. Yes, it would have been important if it's from a good therapist or Brene Brown, but it was nothing less than healing to hear it through a person who was listening and communing with God for my sake. She said, claim your power. Simply trying to live your new life and and you continuing to deny your power is not what God intends. Because when you did that before, it led to death on all fronts. You don't have to try to hold it all in because the world wants you to fit in a nice suffocating box. And throughout the rest of the week, as I interacted with different people, 
somehow that holy phrase would come up out of the blue, and it was no longer coincidence. Claim your power. When we show up at the temple this evening, we are met with diverse people coming together because of their lack of power. And little did they know that the presentation of Jesus would be a catalyst to them all claiming their power. According to the law, one's economic status correlates with a particular animal to be slaughtered. For Mary and Joseph, bringing two turtle doves or two young pigeons immediately communicates that they are poor AF. They definitely lack economic power. Don't even get started on Mary. Mary is further away from power because of her gender and recent childbirth. Under the holiness codes, after giving birth or having a period, people with uteruses were ritually unclean. Ew. And to get clean again, they had to undergo a purification process from the supposed uncleanliness of flesh and blood. And then there is Jesus, and the scandal of his being only continues. From his birth, he is Lord, Emmanuel, child of the Most High. Yet his social context goes against all the things we want out of people with power. The best education, at least upper middle class, one with an um, impeachable family history, good luck with that, Jesus, and certainly not a little fragile baby boy in a manger who will be marked by suffering. And this is how I imagine the scene between Anna and Simeon and the Holy Family. Close your eyes for a moment. Imagine holding a newborn, a newly adopted child. For me, it's my niece and my nephew, and today, it's Cedar and Micah. Feel their weight in your arms. Hear their faint breath, their cooing. Think about all the dreams you have for them, a life full of joy and laughter, of hope and love. And then think of all the realities of sorrow and hardship, of difficulty and struggle. And then for a moment, imagine what they are dreaming about you. That you live life without regrets. That you love without conditions. That you remember you are not alone and that you are still worthy of God's love. That you claim your power just as you desire for them to claim theirs. Simeon and Anna are two older people, young at heart, who spend their time in the temple filled with the Spirit, waiting for the deliverance and freedom that was supposed to come with the Messiah. Simeon's name literally means God has heard. His age and proximity to death renders him completely helpless and far, far from power as the world would understand it and take it seriously. But Simeon is grounded in his power, whose source is God. He doesn't hope in God for the sake of his own salvation, but for the people who are in need of freedom, the people of Israel. 
Simeon testifies that this infant swaddling in his arms will cause the falling and rising of many. And then there's Anna. Her status as a widow leads us to believe that she is a vulnerable person within the society because she lacks the economic security and social status of a husband. She is far from power. But Anna, that same person far from power, is a woman of the spirit, a prophetess whose name means mercy and favor. She has been faithful to God by her fasting and praying without ceasing night and day. Despite the world's denial of her power, in the temple and in close relationship with God, she is nothing less than powerful. Notice the coupling of the pairs falling and rising day and night. This signifies a shift. In a world where we prize the rise and abhor the fall, when we honor the light and curse the darkness, when we do everything to ignore the falling and only draw attention to our rising, Anna and Simeon's insistence on this pattern of descent and ascent is prophecy and perhaps a process that God invites us into. One of my favorite movies is Frozen 2. Yes, the second one. Throughout the movie, Elsa hears a voice and is hesitant to respond. Things for Elsa and Anna have finally settled down after the adventures of the first movie. And Elsa is hesitant to follow this strange voice. But it is a voice that could lead her to the source of her power. Searching for the one, an answer she has been looking for all of her life. But when she arrives at what is supposed to be the answer, she meets the spirit of her mother who simply says, Come, my darling, homeward bound. And Elsa exclaims, I am found. What Elsa has been searching for is already in her inmost being. In the midst of her ascending to find who she is, she comes to realize that she must descend into herself and show herself and the power she possesses. Show yourself. Step into your power. You are the one you were waiting for all of your life. Hear what the Christ child, Simeon, Anna, and those in their, this community who have gone before you and now rest from their labors. Hear what they proclaim to you. You are the ones you are waiting for. Show yourselves. Claim your power. We all show up to the temple as strangers, yet beholding Jesus, Messiah of the Most High God, abruptly and forever incarnates a communal power into our very being. Claim your power. Being rooted in God and in a pattern of descending and ascending keeps us grounded in a power that is accountable to God and to others. This power is forged in the fires of vulnerability and grace, 
And this power is set and forever strengthened in the waters of baptism. And look how powerful you are. It is nothing less than the power of God in you to sit up in bed and maybe get out of it, despite your minds and the world's lies. It is nothing less than the power of God in you to endure the unendurable, to persist even when you could have given up a long time ago. It is nothing less than the power of God in you to use your power to create a spot at the table so others can come and claim their power. It is nothing less the power of God in you to love recklessly and be devastated by grace and mercy. It is nothing less than the power of God to hold a resurrection hope and to work for God's reign in our hearts and our world, despite all forces which try to convince us that it is futile. Here in this place, claim your power. Claim your power as the ancestors of faith have. Claim your power as Micah and Cedar have. Claim your power as Simeon and Anna, Mary and Joseph have. And when the evil one starts to ring in our ears and attempt to subdue your power, come back to this community and be reminded through water, bread, and wine that this power is yours to claim. God would have it no other way. In the words of Simeon, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org/giving.